Ask me how the week is going. How is the week going? Yeah, how, how's it going? Half of the card for Spectrum Wrestling, which is this Sunday, not Saturday, this Sunday, December 17th in Blackpool. Tickets available at buytickets.at slash PCW. Um, half the card is injured. we have not announced many matches yet even though it's like really like coming up because we have had to rewrite the whole card and try and book people last doors because we've announced two matches so far one of them is still on we still have myself and priscilla versus the landed gentry but we announced tony wright and maxwell tony is injured ankle we were gonna have freaky felicia injured neck or back i think Somebody we hadn't announced, shoulder. Another person who we hadn't yet announced, leg. One of those was on the original poster as well, so that's going to have to change. This sucks. I One thing you need to know about professional wrestling, right, is if you're injured and not stupid like I am, you don't wrestle and you can't run a show with <laughs> injured wrestlers. Might have to change the show. Well, that's it. We we are having to alter so much. <laughs> I I love the thought of having a set date that you have to put an event on for, and having people who throw their bodies into risk of injury on a regular basis who you have to rely on for that. Yes, these people are involved in a string of interconnected incidents and events of exactly the nature you have and so you can look down the line and see all of the points at which they could possibly hurt themselves between when they agreed to be on your show and when your show happens that has to be horrifying and it happens a lot like this this is a real fucking conga line of them but it does happen i had a massive match planned in february soft pro and the guy injured his shoulder and was out for several months because of something he did the night before that. The match with uh, Kid Bandit that I had, the uh, match of the year contender, should I say, uh, between two QWI entrants, that very day had crushed her orbital socket. And the match went ahead because I was like, as heartbreaking as it is, I was like, look, if, if you can't do this, you can't do this. But Kid Bandit's very dramatic. She slammed the door shut on us, just me and her. And then with tears in her eyes said, no, we're going to fucking do this out of spite. So we did it and um, it went very well. But yeah, it is a risky business. It turns out. Wrestling is entirely fake, though. It's, yeah, there's oh, nothing, of There's nothing real, nothing that could really pose you danger at all in it. It's not, it's not a sport, it's a performance or whatever. Yeah, unless you're gender critical, in which case I've learned they very much do believe that wrestling is real uh, and that I am beating up poor defenceless women. Oh, oh, how dare you. Right? Uh, anyway, all uh... of this is to say I'm still the uh, PCW Women's Champion. Uh, have been since March. So that's good for me. How is everyone else doing? I'm here. I'm surviving. I'm I'm mm. I'm making do. Uh I have a thing I want to tell you about to start off the show today. Oh, uh please. little little th- So you're no stranger to this, Steph. The uh the, the Nintendo Switch eShop being the the beautiful thing that it is full of <laughs> high quality games and definitely no shovelware. Yes. I wanna tell you about today's thing that caught my attention while I was trying to find new things to play. It it costs four pounds forty nine and it's called Mix AI Animal Ultimate. Okay. And I need to describe to you the the primary eShop store image for this maybe game. Yeah. I think game is overselling it. <laughs> it is a toilet with a man's head screaming coming out of it, which I believe is what the the Gen the Gen Alpha are calling Skibbity Toilet. Skibbity. I have. I'm aware of Skibbity. I. I'm. I'm. Am... I'm vaguely aware. It. It is a knockoff Skibbity Toilet, as I understand it. Mm. Plus. A, a man in a suit with a camcorder for a head? Oh, I've seen that image, yeah. I'm familiar with that. I've seen this listing. Yeah. So this game is... It's <laughs> 449. It's From what I can tell, it's not a game. It's maybe about 30 animals 
that you can click on two of them and then it shows you a picture of what those two animals combined is. It's just a viewing gallery for which of these two of these 30 things do you want to see what the two of them together looks like for 499 or 449 um and from what i can tell i did some looking around online uh the skibbity toilet doesn't seem to actually be in there but there is very clearly some disney trademark infringement because they've got baby yoda in there like baby yoda is just in there just there yeah yeah you can just you can just use baby yoda for fusions which I'm sure Disney definitely approved of. Oh, I'm no doubt. Totally. Yeah, they love that. They offered it for free just to be part of this great project. So just your average reminder that the eShop is full of high quality products that definitely doesn't require you to sift through garbage to find anything half playable. It's 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 named exactly like a knockoff like Power Ranger or Transformer toy, like a pound shop. Yeah. Yeah. The eShop hasn't improved at all. That's 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 how my morning looking for games went. <laughs> this, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a bit of a dry time now as we wind up for Christmas. Uh, yeah. You don't see many, don't see many, or really any big games come out. No one wants to release in this bit of December because no. it's too late for Game of the Year 2023, but it's too early for Game of the Year 2024. You, you, you're writing yourselves out of the Game of the Year availability if you you release now. Oh. That's true, and and. Like, the developer won't get their 30 seconds of stage time if they don't... They, they won't have to, like, rush a speech before the music plays them off or the teleprompter tells them to wrap it up. Uh, and everyone knows, like, like we, want, we want that prestige to, to be... We do want that prestige. ...to be chivied off stage by Jeff Keighley. Like, that's uh-huh. every game dev's dream. The thing I loved about it is they they brought back um what's his name who gave the 8 minute, you know, speech. Oh, Chris uh, Christopher Judge? Uh, yes, I think that's correct. But yeah, he, voice he came of out, came out to present the first award and everyone was making jokes, you know, and the production was making jokes with bringing up the music on his introduction and on and on. And it was like, okay, ha ha ha. Yes. We all, we all remember that time last year when we fucked up, but then they like, just like, and now we will never let anyone speak again. It was horrifying. <laughs> like, oh, I, I do have to know. I, I felt a little bit smug during his speech at the game awards because uh, he he made he made a joke about Call of Duty's campaign. That was uh, brutal. The most recent one being like less than ten minutes long. Well, he said it was shorter than his acceptance speech. Yeah, which yeah. Was, so less than less than eight minutes. Right. Um, which you know, as 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 you know, as amusing as that joke is for him to have made with that game having released. Uh, me and Jane wrote a book that released a year ago that made the same joke about a Call of Duty game that hadn't yet come out being uh i think we said six minutes long it's campaign <laughs> mode so i'm i'm like chris judge you're a y- you're a year late we were we were preempted we were ahead of the <laughs> curve on short call of duty uh, sorry call of shooty it was it was definitely not about call of duty the joke we made definitely in the book not. it was legally distinct <laughs> wow uh but yeah no it was it, it was wild how they were just like then uh, so obvious and upfront about how seriously they were shoving people off the stage. You know, like, oh, we have a sense of humor about this. Just kidding. No, we do not. This is mm-hmm. very serious and we will not embarrass Jeff Keighley again. And did it in a way that was highly embarrassing. Mr. Keighley. No, no one on production uses his first name. He is Mr. Keighley. <laughs> They're not even allowed to look him in the eyes. What right? are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, look, I, I, I know that, like, getting annoyed about the Game Awards is, like, more energy than the thing is worth. It's more entertainment than the thing provides. Yeah. My, yeah. my, my one little, like, little grumble I will, I will give myself about mm. it, they took the, the, the best accessibility award and moved it out of the actual main show where people get to be on the stage and accept the reward and put it in the fucking pre-show. I'm like, that's, that's disrespectful. It used to be a main main show bit. I'd feel my disability is pretty catered to if they saved me getting <laughs> up and down from the stage for my 30 seconds. <laughs> well, no, no. They still had to go and walk to go accept the award. They just had to do it on a much higher platform. Oh, mate. Probably with more stairs. Oh, fuck that. I can't do stairs. I've got no cartilage in my fucking knees. 
And it annoyed me most because there was like, look, I know that for you, Pony Island Two was your one thing where you were like, okay, I'll get, I'll put the cynicism aside for it for a second. It's the only game that exists. My one of those was a trailer that came just after the Accessibility Award for a genuinely exciting looking game that they rushed through in the pre-show. That's like a musical adventure game with a American Sign Language using protagonist uh, who does uh, American Sign Language in time with the musical numbers so that deaf players can enjoy the musical numbers alongside hearing players. Fucking wonderful, fascinating idea that was like, nah, that don't get be be in the main show. We got to make more more room for a third Fortnite trailer. What I hear you saying <laughs> is that there is just too much good stuff coming out of the games industry. So many great products that there simply isn't time enough to give them all the attention they deserve. And you know, I think you're right, and I think the Game Awards should be six hours next year. <laughs> that would let them fit in oh, well, so much more of Hideo Kojima stood there talking utter shit for a game I, that we haven't even seen. Look, we might see it happen now, given that uh, Keeley is now running unopposed in the world of video game look at my trailers shows. That's the, the way they brought him in, like God himself deigned to come down from the heavens to bestow his wisdom. Honestly, the. The deification of any game director is uniquely embarrassing to me, but the the special fawning that Mr. Keeley has for his good friend Hideo Kojima, their friends, don't you know, is like, ugh. It's still not my favourite, like, oh my god, you are too into this uh, gentleman uh, experience. Do you remember the one where Keeley had... had um? Kojima walk out and every time he took a footstep like a white uh, square <laughs> flew in from the side to under his foot as he was taking the steps like that's the one I look at and go how much choreography mm. did it need for you to be like this man is literally creating the ground he walks on and I mean look like oh. I <laughs> I've made video games my career but sometimes when I look at that, I just want to, like, grab whichever director it is, it's usually Kojima, by the shoulders and just yell, Mate, you make computer games. That's just, that's what I want to do. Just, you make computer yeah. games. Don't, don't stand on white squares. No one deserves that. Are you a heart surgeon? A heart surgeon, mate. Fuck How did up. you walk into this room and not observe that this was too absurd to participate in? That would that's that's where I'm coming from. Mm. Yeah, but then you just like look at who you're talking to and it becomes a self-evident question. Well, that's how I get confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I know for sure. Was it utter pretentious nonsense? Yes. Was Hideo Kojima involved? Yes. No further questions. <laughs> I say that as a fan of much of his work, by the way. Yeah. But the man yeah. is absurd. Kojima would not be able to get away with the way he is if his output was of Peter Molyneux quality. Yeah. Like he, he gets he gets away by being like a bit above that barrier so he can get away with that I think the difference is, is Peter Molyneux lies about important shit. What Hideo Kojima does <laughs> is he very badly lies about something that doesn't matter to impress himself. Like the whole thing with the fake developer when he had the bandages on and we were supposed to think it was this entirely different person. And everyone's like, who is it? Who is it? And everyone like knows it's Hideo Kojima. And he was, the, I think, the only one convinced was Kojima. I think it's the only one who was convinced that the the, the great deception worked. You don't think the clever anagram Jokima jo or whatever it was uh was gonna was gonna fool the world. Why does he do these things? He lied once about Metal Gear Solid 4 being a first person shooter. Like he he, <laughs> he tells lies that don't matter so that he's pleased with himself when he reveals it and we all, like a child who's done a shit drawing, just politely <laughs> applause and put put the deception on the fridge. 
See, I have another perspective on the the bandage, you know, fake developer thing, because, yeah, that was kind of uh, stupid and obvious and so on and so forth. Now, I think for Kojima, the payoff is when people play Metal Gear Solid 5 and Mm. you find out, you know, spoilers for Metal Gear Solid 5, that the guys, the guy in the bandages isn't the guy you thought he was the whole time. Yeah. Like, he was clearly doing a bit. But, but... in the moment, <laughs> it was so fucking absurd and ridiculous. It's still... It doesn't I, I have, really I have... demonstrate it, because we all thought that it was Kojima, oh, and yeah. we were right. But he's tricking you because he's trying to make you feel that way about the, your protagonist in Metal Gear Solid Five, so he can do his, you know, reveal and have it be more impactful. It's fucking stupid. But I kind of admire the audacity. <laughs> I do have respect for someone who is like, I, I'm i going to do a bit that isn't going to make sense for like five years, and I'm okay with keeping quiet about why the fuck I did that. Yeah. Like, th- that's commitment at well, least. Well, that's the difference between Kojima and Molyneux. Like, uh, and another reason oh, yeah. he gets away with it is there is an artistry to the pomposity of it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Molyneux every five minutes would be going, you know that thing where I wrap myself in the bandages? Well, that's going to be important to the plot of the game. Think <laughs> about what it signified when I wore the bandages and then it turned out I was someone other than who I seemed under the bandages. Think about that and you might uh, understand the tone of what I'm going for with my next you game. You play the game and you don't even see a box of band-aids in it. Like, it, it takes place nowhere near a hospital. There there are no mummies. Like, there's, it is the most bandage-free game ever made, and it wins an award at the Game Awards for it, for having the least bandages a game has ever had. Uh, that's the difference. Yeah. Kojima tells lies that don't matter to look clever, whereas Molin, you just straight up falls the advertisers to you. And that that's the difference. Yeah. That... Those are the differences, kids, listening, between good lies, which you should tell all the time, and bad lies. (laughs) And you, as an impressionable child, which is sort of our demographic, you get to make the call as which lies are good and which lies are bad. So, you know. End of lesson. There we go. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to Pogquisition. We talk about video games and stuff here. Weirdly, was, we've been was... doing it for a while, and I'm not quite sure what happened. Oh yeah, yeah, we've already started yeah. talking. Ugh. Yeah. What happens now? <laughs> well, I mean, some of us have probably played some video games this week. I ain't played jack shit. W- did Did either of you? I I don't I, know. Did I, either of you play games this week? I haven't. No. Oh nah. I played more Pinball M, that's it. What about you, Conrad? You played anything this week? I played one game that I like have relatively little to say about. I I played like three things. Oh thank that fuck some. I have mid- middling amounts to talk about about what I can say about them. I'm glad we spent fifteen minutes talking about the game of horse. Yeah, we're gonna fucking we need it from the sounds of it. <laughs> uh so I'll I'll talk about some of the stuff I played this week. Um mm. I've been playing around with the new game mode that came to Vampire Survivors uh, last week, uh, Adventures. I don't know if either of you have paid attention to what this is. I haven't dipped my toes into it yet, but these are the like the little additional stories, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be writing some of those. Ooh. Yeah, that's all I'll say. I am not in the launch ones, but uh, there will be some some adventures and some of the little stories and that that are coming out are based on stuff i have worked on so neat yeah. well i can talk about the ones that are that are out now um there was a launch of i think three of them uh last week two of them that are available if you've got the base game one of them is for uh one of the dlcs i think it's for the the moonspell dlc and what they are is little self-contained campaigns that are basically the way I look at them is they're designed to be like, do you want that experience you had at the start of playing Vampire Survivors where everything was new and you had that sort of progression path ahead of you and you hadn't yet maxed out everything to the point where like characters were like absolutely obliterating everything because they had a hundred million eggs on them and whatever. Uh, you know, this is a separate little authored campaign of, you know, 
a little over half a dozen um, missions to do that are remixing content from the base game largely with a couple of new things thrown in, um, but are basically there to go start from scratch in this little side adventure without having to like delete your whole main game save if you want to have that sort of like progression path. Um, the other thing that's sort of notable about them is that at least in the early missions you have very, very constrained um, access to options for, for weapons and accessories. Um, you have a very, very limited pool to select from, and uh, to make that 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 point really clear, um, I started playing the first one, which is based on Poe, the garlic-using old man, and I accepted every single weapon and accessory in the pool offered to me, and still had like two or three slots for weapons and accessories available on the first mission. Like there weren't even enough in the starting pool for me to have a full build if I took everything offered. Um, I got offered the candy box at one point that lets you pick like any item, and it gave me nothing because it's like no, you have everything in the pool. You can't have anything else. Oh. Um, so it sort of forces you to play with, uh, at least like particularly at the start of each adventure, a build that is like. Very, very specific. You have to, like, here is the limited number of things you have. Work out how to make that work. Work out how to play within the style constraints of the limited things you have. And as you progress further, you get a bit more access to uh, to things as you go. There is an unlocks list, the way there is in the main game, for uh, unlocking additional characters to have access to in that adventure, additional weapons, additional levels, like, by doing specific things. In certain levels, as you get a bit further into it, you will have, like, shopkeeper NPCs show up, and you can pay money to, um, like, unlock a specific weapon and add it to the, the pool going forward. Which is honestly quite nice, because if there are weapons and accessories that you just don't like, just don't buy them, and they never enter your weapon pool, and that's kind of nice. Um, the narrative aspect of them is is fairly minimal. The The plot aspect is a little blurb before each mission you go into that sort of describes what the plot of that next go and kill a bunch of things you're going into is. But I have really enjoyed those. It's been nice to have a sense of narrative progression through those without getting into too much specifics about them. Uh, one of the, the base game ones uh, is called like Light and Darkness or something and is very specifically about like a war between heaven and hell and like angels and demons and trying to get basically the character who's a nun and the character who is like slightly demon uh, like demony and being like hey what if the two of you work together against a shared common interest and like that's that's interesting it's it's a nice little tool for giving some context to what you're doing they're not super long they're like me me and Jane played through one together in maybe in an afternoon we played maybe like four or five hours and, and played through one of these adventures. Uh, you can do them in co-op, which is really nice. And much like the base game, if you play in co-op, uh, you are given access uh, by default to the first four characters, even if you haven't unlocked them yet, so that the co-op players have some, some choices. The only other thing of note is you can sort of prestige them when you've completed them and get some sort of like, uh, what are they called, ascension points, so that if you play through them again in future... You can have one stat increased in 25% increments between the rate at which you get gold, the rate you get experience, the curse level, and there's something else, I forget what it is, so that you can just sort of like reset in isolation. One thing I like about those ascension points, once you have done one of these adventures a couple of times and have a few of them to spend, is you can restat them at any point in the middle of an adventure playthrough, which means that... Let's say early on in an adventure playthrough, you want to have extra money so that you can be throwing some cash into like power-ups early game, but then that becomes a little less important in some of the harder missions towards the end. So you might take your ascension points out of that and put them into gaining extra experience because you need to get experience faster in the later levels. You can just kind of fuck around with it throughout an adventure playthrough, and that's kind of nice. The last thing I would say of note about it is, of the three that are currently available... The Mount Moonspell one is considerably more difficult. And I think that makes sense to some degree because it's it's based on the DLC, which presumably is for people who've played the base game and feel pretty comfortable with it. But I think also part of it is 
something fundamental about the weapon selection in the Moonspell DLC, which is a lot of the Mount Moonspell weapon pool is weapons that I think are like very good supplements to a build, but are somewhat difficult to have as your starting weapon. The base game has a lot of like very easy to direct at a specific location or direction starting weapons, whereas Moonspell has a lot of things with very wide area of effects, but less controllable ones. And that does make Mount Moonspell initially at the offset like a, a bigger hurdle. You have to do some of those early levels with, with weapons that are going to be a bit more... require a bit more input from you, I think, to, to survive with. But yeah, I've, I've been having fun with adventures, and it, it's nice to have something that scratches that itch of I could just delete my save and just start all the way over from the beginning on Vampire Survivors, a thing I should not do. I do not have the time in my life for it. This is scratching that itch nicely. Mm-hmm. It's a really good idea, I think. Yeah. It's a nice little value add, and it's nice knowing that, like, I, I know there's another DLC coming out next week that, of all things, is themed around Among Us, um, but that apparently has an adventure uh, campaign coming with it, and I'm like... Cool. That's that's a nice little value add to add something else to when DLC comes out. Is you're gonna have an an additional little isolated campaign on top of a bunch of new weapons and locations and characters and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I recommend checking them out. They're 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 a, they're a, they're a fun time. Uh, Conrad, you played a thing this week. So I uh, was um. I was not on this platform uh, that uh, formerly used to be called Twitter, but I had heard about some things going on over there, specifically about uh, responses to Grand Theft Auto 6's trailer. And, oh, oh, I completely uh, forgot about that. I haven't even looked at it yet. I haven't watched it either. I can summarize it for you real quick. It's a whole bunch of that's a fancy 3D model of a city. Oh, one of those. A handful of character models where you go, oh, that's that Florida Man story I vaguely remember. Okay, they've done that for the the past t- with four and five as well. Yeah. yeah, there was there was a there was a few seconds of here's our Bonnie and Clyde protagonists that that they're, they're probably going to do some crimes together and drive off into the sunset doing a smooch or something. Yeah, I've seen. There was not really much to learn from that trailer, other than if you saw it the first time when it was leaked. Uh, where you could learn that Bitcoin existed <laughs> because there was just hashtag Bitcoin across the screen. <laughs> uh, the character models that they're showing in that footage are impressive. Um, I, I, I don't yeah. know. But, you know, that's that's all I've really seen. I mean, I've seen it start to finish, just what little clips. Of it, 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 it looks impressive. It looks impressive in the way that I expect a Rockstar game to. Yes. They throw infinite money at these things. Yeah. But the response from some figures, specifically one who happens to own this platform, uh, have been <laughs> so bizarre. Oh, yes. This is the um, Mister. I don't want to shoot cops. I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was he couldn't get into Grand Theft Auto Five because in the first mission it forces you to shoot cops. <laughs> and then I remembered. Oh yeah. The first mission of Grand Theft Auto is you shooting a bunch of cops. So I fired up Grand Theft Auto 5, and I never finished it. I feel like I was maybe halfway through the story playing it, you know, in the year after release. I didn't even get to it immediately, I don't think. But, I mean, that was ten years ago now, which is fucking wild to realize. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think too hard about it. No, no. But that Trevor sure does seem to have some anger issues. He's a bit of a grumpy fella. He's 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 got a bit of a short fuse. That one. I the characters and the character writing and dialogue in it is. I I feel like I should be very unhappy, but I am enjoying myself. I'm enjoying that aspect of it. It feels like a dirty yeah. pleasure, Grand Theft Auto, for some reason. This one in particular. Yeah, I don't know. Because I, I I've played other Grand Theft Autos in recent years, that, you know, and not touched this really much outside of, you know, the year of its release. 
And yeah, it it certainly is a more pleasant experience to control and play. It's still arcane in some ways that, you know, like, which bumper does what? And wait, I switch weapons how? And like, it just doesn't feel like other third-person shooters. Yeah, they never have either to their detriment. No. Five was the closest, but it's still weird, some of the decisions. It's like Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. which does the same thing historically where they 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 seem to think that the interface is a place to stand out from other entries in the genre and it really isn't don't don't make a fashion statement with your controls the the default ones we have are default for a reason yeah because they fucking work um yeah. but in fairness it feels like this is one of those we're going down parallel development tracks it's just one track is not right or I'm sorry, not accepted as yeah. as the superior option, and yet we continue to develop along that line anyway, in the hope that I I don't know, um, like Grand Theft Auto Three was released at a time where we were still working out a lot of the conventions of third person action gaming, and that's a bit forgivable. But by the time we got to four. Like, we kind of had it, right? Like, yeah. more or less figured out. Was, we were there. Gears of War was out. So... Oh, yeah. You know... Every Grand Theft Auto has felt behind, or at least, like, different in a in a worse way, in a, in a more regressed way, than the stuff that came out around it. Mm. Yeah, that's probably Always true. Always a bit. But it just... It, I, I, I feel like 5 should have just, like, accepted defeat. Like, I get 4. I can yeah. understand 4. 4 was in development for a very long time. They were already along this track, and, and there was still possibly in some people's head some question about what the, the best way to do these things are. But by the time 5 was out, we all knew, and it just does feel a bit weird. Absolutely, yeah. I would have been happy if they'd have just... I'd have gotten used to all of that if they'd have just made helicopters better. That was... (laughs) Like, I think helicopters these days, you play them in a game now, and you wonder how they were ever a hard thing to develop in a Mm. game, which obviously they are, but you just get used to these things because after a while they become codified and we get used to them and we think, oh... Yeah, it should have always been like this, which is hindsight talking. But then you go back to Grand Theft Auto V and just... Some of those helicopter missions were harrowing. They're horrible to, like, put, like control. Yeah. That's the one thing. I'd have breezed past everything else if helicopters had been better. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll probably play more today. You know, yeah. if and when I find some free time, I... I... I'm looking forward to getting the gang back together, and, mm. uh, you know, I i mean, I'm just, I do want to see Trevor die. I, you know, <laughs> I know that's the inevitable outcome. There's no way that this story doesn't end with Trevor dying. Oh, yeah, you you haven't, like, no. gone near the final mission or anything. Oh, no. oh mm. I would love you to finish it. I would really like to see what you think. I, yeah, I'd be, I, mm, I'd be very curious. All right, yeah, I'll I'll work on it. We'll 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 address it in six months yeah. or so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Laura, what else have you played? So I finally got around to getting back to to playing and uh, finishing Thirsty Suitors. Oh, which is a game we talked about a, a little while back, which is that sort of uh, dating sim, uh, turn based RPG skating cooking sim hybrid. Mm-hmm. And I've finished the game now. It's really not that long. Um, it's one of those things you can finish in like ten hours if you uh, if you if you want to get through it. I think that game is great. And my biggest caveat is still that the uh, skateboarding is really quite janky. Mm. Uh, thankfully, you don't have to do more than the minimum amount of it. You mm. can you can keep it to a minimum. It is. Not enough for me to not like the game, but it's enough that I'm like, I'm never going to go out of my way to do the skateboarding challenges. No, it never um, gets better. Like, I I did a couple, and the the best I can say is they're not fun. 
and then it goes down from there. Yeah. But putting putting, you know, the the fact that like there's a skateboarding game in there that kind of falls short of its uh my hopes for it. I think overall the game is fantastic. Um I think that consistently from start to finish, Thirsty Suitors does a really, really, really good job of representing messy teenage relationships in a way where I walked away from every like boss battle with an ex going neither of you is entirely at fault but neither of you is blameless in what happened and both of you need to take some accountability for the bad decisions you made and sure you might have explanations for what led you to make the choices you did but you still did make them explanations aren't excuses and to feel that way about every single uh ex that you meet and about the main character in a mounting number of past relationships you explore and to still feel like it makes narrative sense to be able to reconcile with those exes and to come to some kind of reconciliation, be it um, an uneasy truce, a, uh, a, a rebuilding of a friendship or something more. Um, they did such a good job of finding so many very well put ways to go. You're both fucked up and I, I might lean a little more one way or the other as to who was at blame, but you were teenagers and you, you did what teenagers do. You made irrational decisions while full of hormones. Things that I think the game does really well. I genuinely love the combat system and how it uses the taunts as, as a way to get openings to do big damage. I think we talked about this when we first talked about the game, but in fights... Characters will have conversations and you can do your little dialogue options. But the way that these characters talk and the kinds of things they talk about and the way they say what they're saying gives you really good hints as to what kind of taunts will get to some kind of insecurity on them and allow you to open up a sort of weakness for a few turns. And I kept thinking while playing this about the only other series that I, uh, of video games that I think really tries to do this, and I hear a lot of it is issues with translation, but it's the Shinigami Tensei um, RPGs try to have this system where you do conversations with the creatures you're battling to convince them to join your team, and the things you have to say never really feels like it lines up with the results you're getting. But Thirsty Suitors, I was pr pretty reliably able to tell like by the time I was getting later into the game what the tells were of like, okay, this person's probably going to be weak to this kind of taunt. And that was really satisfying. I really like how the little Cook and Mama minigames are used as an excuse to have conversations with your parents, um, with a shared activity in the middle to sort of act as a buffer for that. And I, you know, I got to the end of that game and felt very, very satisfied. It felt like a game in which... No character was in a position where th they were going to walk away going, I did nothing wrong and don't need to feel something about, about the actions I took. And they made that feel fun and sweet and silly and, and uh, exaggerated in its presentation. I really like Thirsty Suitors. I'm very glad I went back to it and finished it. It is, it is, it's really delightful. It just could have used a slightly better skateboarding system. Yeah, I haven't gone back to it since I last talked about it. Uh, not because I wasn't enjoying it. Uh, it's just sometimes brain do that. Sometimes you just, yeah. you know, wander off. I, there's there's a reason I've come back to it now rather than finishing it like when I was actually playing it before. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 pretty charming. It is. And the only other thing I, I I played this week, and I can be really fucking quick about this, I started playing Persona 5 Tactica, which is a Persona 5 turn-based tactics game. And, like, gameplay-wise, it's fine. My problem with it is I played through a previous Persona 5 spin-off, which was their um, Warriors game, and that was fun. That was a sequel to Persona 5, 
that took place after the main game's events, and as such, it had a narrative where things might surprise me because I am moving beyond the scope of the original narrative. Persona 5 Tactica, for some reason, happens in the middle of Persona 5. And as a result, it's trying to get me to care about a plot where consistently I'm looking at plot elements and going, yeah, but that's not the, the, the bad negative outcome that you're worried about isn't going to happen. How do I know that? Because Persona 5 continues. Like, it's hard for me to get emotionally invested in the plot when I know how it's going to work out because you plonked it in the middle of the main story but tried to give it stakes as if we don't know that it's going to be okay. It is a tactics game that it's not doing anything particularly amazing uh, mechanically. The best thing I can say for it right now is it keeps the very high-end presentation and style flourishes of Persona 5. If you're looking for that kind of presentation, this is a tactics game. <laughs> um, it's a tactics game I'm, I'm disappointingly uninvested in playing more of. That's really everything I've played this week. Should we should we talk about some newsy yeah, newsy bits? Let's, let's do it. We're on a roll. Yeah. Well, let's 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 start with the big one. Uh E3's dead. I thought it had already died. I I did a eulogy episode for it months ago now. So the thing over the last few years has been Oh, we're gonna do E3. Oh no, we cancelled it because of COVID. Well, we're gonna come back next year. Oh, okay. Well, COVID's still going on, so we're gonna cancel it again. Okay, well, we're gonna do it next year. Uh, uh well, okay. Read Pop uh, isn't ready to run one, so they've cancelled it. Okay, well, Read Pop uh, is gonna sell it, but like whoever buys it is gonna run it in 2024. It's it's been on life support. They keep announcing E3s and then cancelling them. Yeah, and we knew the writing was on the wall that like this was not a good sign for E3. Um, it Summer Games Fest had too many years unopposed to like really muscle in on its space, but we got a we got a post um, from from the ESA that was basically just an official E three isn't a thing anymore. Mm. Um, there's very little to it. It just says after more than two decades of E three, each one bigger than the last, the time has come to say goodbye. And and mm. and that 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 that's it. There, there is not going to be any E three anymore. You see, I've had people like being all like, "Oh, I can't wait to for Monday," which I think will be the Jimquisition Awards anyway. This Monday, you know, I'm bound by tradition. But I I couldn't do another episode on it because I already did this. Like everyone else is like being like either mourning or celebrating or laughing or whatever, and. My fingers, like, have already done that thing where it drags down E3's eyes to close them while it's in its four-poster bed with a little <laughs> nightcap on. Like, oh, I've and you were right to bit. do so. You were yeah. right to do so. Think of it this way. This is like the coroner declaring, <laughs> you know, the, the cause of death that no one's interested in anymore. The family have given up hope that the coma, you know, they might come out of the coma. It's like, yeah. nah, we, we really need to have the conversation about, like, donating their organs now. Yeah, in this metaphor, Steph, you are the person who found the body while jogging in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so long as I'm that and I'm not the one who, like, is waiting outside the coroner's office and someone telling them you don't have to do this and then them like through like tear-stricken eyes say no I have to do this and then they go in and they say that's her that's my baby girl and they cry at least I'm <laughs> not yeah you're not that yeah I'm not Phil Spencer so <laughs> that can be his job I I can be Pete and he can be Leland so I've still got Twin <laughs> yeah. Peaks on the brain yeah, there's, there's not a lot to say about this. E3's dead. Wrapped in plastic. <laughs> I, 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 I really do... Th <laughs> Sorry, I, I ambushed myself with a peat. You know, it happens sometimes. <laughs> as, as you do. Yeah, I, I think the only thing this really means is that, as, as I alluded to earlier, Jeff Keighley now runs unopposed with his... E3, but more spread out and less focused, is now is now the E3 we get going forward. Yeah, admittedly, it is a a shakeup 
in some respects. Now, they, I think that if it had been anybody else in Jeff's position right now, there would still be an mm. E3. But because mm. Jeff Keeley is, and I'm going to use a technical term here, a fawning sycophant. And he's very good at it. He's very good at it. <laughs> who will happily march in lockstep with anything that the mm. industry wants. It is no different from the ESA running E3. Well, yeah. Yeah. Except with more distance, less accountability, and reduced access to opportunities for people to question things about the products and the people working on them. Yeah. It doesn't change anything in a practical sense because we haven't had this show in years now. And we've all sort of accepted that that was probably going to be the case and, and moved on. But it is, I think, worth acknowledging that uh, there is going to be this difference and these power dynamics, this shift. It's interesting because the industry doesn't technically have the control that it once did. But for all intents and purposes, it still does. And yeah, that's uh, just a thing to watch. My only real thought about E3 having died is, as someone that remembers growing up watching, like, I I remember my first real awareness of like people, people's job is to write about video games, was getting like a Nintendo magazine. God, it must be in like two thousand four, two thousand, maybe around two thousand four, um, that had a DVD with, like, some clips from Nintendo's E3 press conference, and it was the year that they showed off the Twilight Princess trailer, and the whole room was people fucking losing their shit to that. Mm. And, like, as someone who grew up with, like, that being the thing, the, like, you know, in a, in a, in a world before the internet was, like, constant game previews, it was like, E3 is the place where you find out about stuff. I got to go to E3 one or two years, and... I am glad that I got to go to the thing that as a kid was, like, very exciting in my head and see the reality of the thing. And I'm not really going to miss it. I, I, I did my one or two years and I'm like, yep, I've, I have, I've, I've, I've done that. I've been there. Two years is precisely mm. the correct number of years to do E3. Like, the year that you go and you're overwhelmed by it, and then the year that you go and you're like, okay, I have a handle yeah. on this and it's fucking awful. Definitely. Yes, you've 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 got the year in which it's it's all very exciting that it's E3, it's the thing and you're there. And you've got the year where you do it as work and you're like, eh, is this really a thing that was worth the the outset of being there? Yeah, especially when they keep booking you in a different hotel to Jonathan Holmes. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> every year. It's the only reason to go. So once I cottoned on to that, I stopped going. You did it right, Laura. Two yeah. years was precisely the right amount of yeah. time to have done it. You know, the part of me that thrives on, you know, some people base jump. I like <laughs> working conventions and trade shows is that for me. There is something to it. I do it like. In the right setting, I can enjoy the hustle and bustle of I've got a bunch of appointments, just go, go, go. Yeah. I had a good time covering Gamescom this year. It was it was an it was a nice excuse to have that routine. But again, I wasn't so overbooked with things to do that like I actually had some fucking time to get get writing done. But You know, I'm the same sick fuck who liked working Black Fridays in retail. I, I just <laughs> you know there is something about that pressure that I find uh exhilarating. But yeah. It sucks. I do my best work when there are looming deadlines, and trade shows do mean that I have to go, fuck, there's another deadline, and that gets me to fucking sit down and write shit quick. Yeah. Yeah. In other news this week, this is not, like, the headline that, like, officially is on the news story I'm gonna read, but, like, in my head, this feels like it's the headline. Zelda producer A.G. Aonuma thinks that my personal taste in Zelda games is shit. He personally thinks I have shit tasting games. Hmm. Interesting. Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, whether you love them or 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 hate them or, you know, have a seven out of ten opinion about them, 
they are a very, very different kind of proposition to Zelda games, the game before them. That is true. And in an interview with IGN, uh, Anuma was asked about the fact that some fans seem to be hopeful or seem to wish for some traditional linear Zelda games to be released in future with, you know, the the, the format of there are dungeons that have like an item in them and you use that item for that dungeon and the dungeon has sort of a, a linear progression of how you complete it. And in response, Anuma said that he believes that games with a strict path are games of the past. I'm going to dig into his quotes, but wow. he really... He, he really, really gets quite dismissive of the idea that people would genuinely like things about older Zelda games. What is he going to say next? Single player is dead. Like, that's another popular one that fucking these dickheads like to trot out. I mean, what this says to me is that my interest in purchasing Zelda games is a thing of the past. Yeah, so I'll get into my thoughts on this in a second, but I'll, I'll read you his, his quote. It's interesting when I hear people say I miss traditional linear Zelda, because I'm wondering, why do you want to go back to a type of game where you're more limited or more restricted in the types of things oh, or God. ways you can play? He then goes on to talk about the fact that um, he doesn't think anyone actually wants traditional Zelda games. Uh, he, he thinks you're deluding yourself about this. I'll, I'll read the other bit of his quote. I do understand that desire that we have for nostalgia. And I can also understand it from that aspect. We as people tend to have a tendency to want the thing we don't currently have. That's how he views it. I Can I just say that I no longer disagree with a teleprompter saying wrap it up. <laughs> I no longer disagree. And I yeah. just got to quickly get out because like it, uh, it sets my teeth on edge when people do this. When someone tries to sound open-minded because they want more options and more freedom, and they say it in a way that discounts anyone that wants otherwise, so in their attempt to look like they're the open-minded one, what they say is so blinkered and so reductive, the idea that Zelda can only be that one open-world thing, and yet to present yourself like, actually, I'm the open-minded one because i can see everything it can be and that has to come at the expense of everything it could be in other ways well he can't see everything that it could be because it could have a satisfying and succinct narrative yeah but it doesn't that's what you create i mean. an enormous stupid fucking open world i had a couple of thoughts about this and like uh, initially my response was just to be a bit pissed off that he was like oh it's only because of nostalgia and i'm like no they offered something different that isn't being offered by these new games which is dungeons that feel truly authored mm -hmm. and a narrative that cannot be accidentally experienced out of order and those are both things that have value that people might benefit you know might enjoy um but then thinking more beyond that i'm like i can point to older zelda games that got a balance of these two things where you could do things in a non-linear order but still have that authored content it is possible and that could be a future that zelda could move to if he didn't write off that that possibility. And the one I think about is the 3DS game, A Link Between Worlds. Mm, mm. I think that was like a really good example of how that, that can be done, which is uh, have dungeons that require a certain item and are like designed to be completed using that item in a specific way, but can be tackled in any order in a world that isn't limiting your ability of, of how to tackle them. Like, you could apply those principles to a Tears of the Kingdom successor, but that would require you to go, there was something of value in the old yeah. linear Zeldas that people are asking for, and there is something we can learn from that rather than just writing it off as nostalgia. If you can't understand, as, as he claims, if you can't understand why someone would want to quote-unquote go back, you're a moron. Who clearly doesn't understand that people want to go back because... They were good games, and I don't see Nintendo disagree. I didn't see Nintendo disagreeing that the games were good ten years ago. Suddenly they're shit. You can, and I get why they want to keep doing this style of game. It made them a fuckload of money. Yeah. I, I respect that. What I don't respect is trying to present what you're doing now as the future by shitting on the quality work that was done in the past. That is creatively offensive. Yeah, like you could you could say as a creator. We prefer making these. We find the, the, you know, this new style 
more interesting, like creatively interesting for us as developers, and this is what we're interested in pursuing. You don't have to do it by going, ah, oh, that thing that we did for for ages that ever that was critically and like uh, commercially very well received that everyone loved. Um, yeah, those are shit, and I can't see why you'd want them. Uh, there's nothing of value to learn from them. Look forward, not back. I'm like, just you don't have to agree. Like, there are a lot of people who universally prefer these new Zelda games to the older ones, but to write off the fact that a lot of people are going, there are things that I miss from the older ones, because I am not foolish enough to think that they're not going to keep pursuing the, the Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom formula. What I want is to see them listen to those calls for, like, people who miss the linearity and to go, how can we properly incorporate, like, incorporate something that scratches that itch in this new formula in a way that is the best yeah. of both worlds. And these statements basically make it sound like he has no interest in doing that. Yeah. Linear is dead. Fuck anyone who thought there was anything good back there. If I may offer something that really puts what he said into perspective, I think. If Nintendo had adopted the same attitude towards Mario as they're apparently wanting to do with Zelda, we'd never have got Mario Wonder. We wouldn't yeah. have got New Super Mario. We wouldn't have got any of that. If if they were as committed to throwing out the baby with the bathwater, which I'm almost certain at some point for nostalgia, they will do like a, an old school style Zelda and sell it on that and really trade on that nostalgia. Won't be for quite some time, but they will do it one day. And, and they'll expect us to have forgotten what was said here. But I, I cannot imagine being so blinkered, so reductive, and and yet still be an artist to to think that everything that came before has to be burned because I, I mean I guess that's what happens when you're talking more like a like a sales rep than an artist like that right there is the break between a creative individual and a marketer and that's the struggle that video games have always had. Are they are they works of art or are they just product? Mm. And I think the attitude that games are just product, that's the attitude that makes this kind of statement occur. Because the, all they care about is selling the new thing. This is the same attitude that killed Optimus Prime in the movie and was shocked that kids cried. But don't they want to buy the new toy? No, because you just showed Optimus Prime crumble into dust. And that's why they promised a, a, for the home release, they dubbed in a line that said Optimus Prime would be back, which one day they will do for Zelda. And then Zelda will come back in season three to stop a hate plague that had been unleashed <laughs> on the galaxy by the Quintessons. I think I think my last contribution will be to say there's no reason you can't do both. No. You get out Nintendo's big enough, they could have a team making big open world things and a team making more linear Zelda's and give you both of them. Doesn't have to be either or. They could just they could just make both kinds. So yeah, other stories this week. Have either of you been following the situation around the day before? I oh, hoped I to download it. it before we recorded today, but uh didn't wasn't able to get it in time but i have heard about it i'm i'm gonna give like the the truncated version of this to people who aren't aware there is a game called the day before that was um at, at a time it was the most wishlisted game on steam it was being it was going to be sold for 30 30 odd pounds when it went into early access and it was offering it, it was very ambitious in what it was supposedly going to offer it was being presented as an open world zombie MMO and it released into early access and people were not happy with what was, was presented. It was a very, 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 very empty game. Like here is an environment with basically nothing to do for large stretches. Um, it was buggy as all hell. I watched a clip of someone who finally found some someone or something to shoot, shot it, and the game had a fatal error <laughs> and crashed the first time he tried to shoot something that could be shot. It isn't good. And the game's launch led to a big wave of purchases and very quickly a big wave of very negative reviews, and everything has kind of moved very, very quickly since then. 
four days after the game launched in early access, the developer, uh, Fantastic, Fantastic without the first A, announced the studio was going to be closing because they had failed financially and lacked the funds to continue development on this early access game. All income received is being used to pay off debts to our partners. At the time, the game was still on sale for £33.50 on, on Steam, despite the fact that they were like, yep, yeah, no, I know we just launched it into early access, but we are not doing anything with this game. We do not have the money to do anything beyond this first uh, moment. Uh, they tried to soften the blow of having taken everyone's money by, and I, I will read a bit of their quote here. It's important to note that we didn't take any money from the public during the development of the day before. There were no pre-orders or crowdfunding campaigns. We worked tirelessly for five years, pouring our blood, sweat, and tears into the game. Yeah, but you did, you, you did still put it up for, for, for sale without the money to necessarily be able to afford to actually make it beyond early access. Yeah, you still rolled a hell of a dice there, hoping that you'd... Uh... He rolled a dice with other people's money. Yeah, so that was was the start of things. <laughs> a really good start. Yeah, so things have continued uh, to to spiral from there. The publisher, Mytona, has issued an apology for the game and said that they were going to work with Steam to open refunds. Now, what that seems to mean in practice is no matter how much of the game you have played, Steam is just greenlighting refunds for anyone who asks for them. They are just 100% saying, yes, thumbs up, have a refund. The other thing that's happened that people have got some some concern about is um, the name of the game's developer has changed on Steam. And that is making some people worry that they're trying to hide that they were develop- the developer of this flop before they do their next thing. People suspected that was the case. It does seem like uh, Fantastic has been taken off the project and a different studio called 8 Points has been put on it because of the concern. It's a whole big mess. Basically, the game launched in a really, really bad spot and they probably knew that when they launched it. And yeah, four days later, they were like, yep, four days we've run out of money. Goodbye. Well then. It's not, it's not, it's not a good, not a good one. Bit of a rocky launch, but it's early days yet. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, let's see if they can bounce back. Yeah, you, you know, know. S- snatch victory from the the jaws of defeat and all of that. You know, it's it's a scrappy yeah. underdog story, and that's what we love, <laughs> is it not? Isn't it just? I do have a nice bit of news to end on this week. Got a bit of positive industry news for once. So you know the uh, the Workers United CWA, the Zenimax uh, union that formed a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, they've managed to get a pretty good win in um in negotiations recently. They have won a tentative agreement which will allow uh union members to be in charge of the company's uh use or lack not use of AI in the workplace, basically making sure that they that Zenimax as a studio cannot be forced by higher ups to use AI if the union is against that decision. It is not something that we've really seen achieved. Like, uh, I've seen people noting that, like, yeah, no, no U.S. tech company has had a union secure like this kind of specific ironclad agreement of the union is in charge of this subject. Let's go outside of the games and tech industry. You know, the yeah. the actor strike didn't secure these kinds of terms and control. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, they have put in place a series of guiding principles around where AI may or may not uh, be used. Zenimax has to provide notice to the union where AI implementation may impact the work of union members. And uh, if they they want to do something, they, they have to bargain it out with the union upon request and the union has say over whether it goes ahead. Uh, according to a, to a statement, uh, id Software QA tester Dylan Burton said the agreement was a high priority for the union, as well it fucking should be for any uh, unions right now. To continue his quote, it's hard to say how developments with AI may impact our work, but now we can be more confident the agreement will help to protect us as we navigate the potential adoption of AI into our workflow. Cool. Put power over AI into the workers' hands, because they're the people who will ultimately probably fucking lose jobs if AI is rushed into their studios. And they're also the people who have to work with it. 
Yeah. They're the people who know whether it's going to be useful or not, and or whether it's going to obliterate their job or not. Yep, that's good news. I'm I'm pleased, pleased by this, yeah. and I hope I hope that this manages to spur other unions into making similar demands uh, at the companies that they are working at. Agreed. I I hope this is the first step of of people going. It it is possible for a union to to get control of this and. You should be pushing, you know, the the companies you work for as a union for this kind of thing. So you're right. Good good news of a of a union in video games achieving something quite ambitious. That's 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 good to hear. There's no issues there. You'd love to see it. Yeah, we. I think I think that's it. I think we think, think we could probably wrap it. Good there. for us. Well, there we are. Very good for yeah. us. That's wonderful. We barely played anything. We still made an hour. Look at us go. Look at that, right? People are getting people are getting their money's worth at the end of the day, uh, but maybe they need more things for monies and stuff. And Laura, I think you might have something on on the back of your merchant's wagon. Oh, I've got a few things on the back of the wagon, and you can find them at Laura K. Buzz, wherever you find things out in the world. Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Twitch, uh, Blue Sky, Mastodon, all of, all of the things. Uh, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills, as little as a dollar a month over there allows me to do the stuff I do full-time. Um, look out in the next couple of weeks for a big Game of the Year, uh, Games of the Year video. A, a big recap video on accessibility in video games in 2023, sort of summarized in one big video. Uh, I've got in the new year going up a big video that'll be um, uh, accessibility standards, uh, things in accessibility in games that we want to see become standards in 2024, sort of looking forward. Those three videos, I'm, I'm very excited for the three of those to go up and they will all be posting over the next few weeks. So look forward to those. Um, what about you, Conrad? Where are you on the internet? I am at Conrad Zimmerman on Instagram and Blue Sky. You can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Um, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda and gymquisition merchandise at mercenarycreative.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Stephanie Sterling. That is true. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That supports this podcast and the Jimquisition show, uh, which will have the Jimquisition Awards coming this Monday, I think, probably, definitely. Um, do, 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 do. My next upcoming wrestling date is, uh, well, what I talked about at the beginning. That's in Blackpool. That is Sunday, December 17th, Spectrum Wrestling, uh, where myself and Priscilla as Queens of the Space Age will be wrestling Xeonox and Benji, the Landed Gentry, um, Space Queers versus Conservatives. A a classic sci-fi story. Uh, That'll do. Uh, We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.